Good morning. How are we doing? Good. The topic of the Holy Spirit I find to be quite challenging. I'm not sure about you, but we put a lot of emphasis on God the Father who loves us, who we love Him, and we put a lot of emphasis on Jesus because He's our Savior. He's the one that has offered us a new life. But we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit that much in depth. We sing about the Holy Spirit. Sharon talked about presence, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but let me see a show of hands. How many of you out there are still a little vague? Maybe the Holy Spirit feels a little mysterious to you. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit kind of feels kind of weird. Um, anyone feel that right now? Raise your hand if you're not really quite sure who the Holy Spirit is. Well, I have a really um, strong video, an animation, made by this team, the Bible Project in Portland. And um, they make these incredible videos that can kind of explain it and break it down. So this is a short animation that we're going to start with. At least if we can roll the video, and then we'll start really talking about who is the Holy Spirit. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? 
Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up, and God's Spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now... Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, look, right, look at them in their eyes and say, Ruach. Yeah. One more time. Ruach. Okay, now wipe the spit from their face and tell them you're sorry. So, Ruach means really the divine, okay, breath of God. Okay, so holy, whoops. Here we go. Holy Spirit is the person power and the presence of God. Okay, the Holy Spirit is God. So, we have God the Father. Okay? Everyone knows God the Father. God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is God. So, this is the main scripture um, from um, my message this morning. I'm coming from John 14, 16 through 17. I think this helps to set things up. Um, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it is neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and you will be with him. Is this better? Is this better? Okay. Okay, so with this scripture from John, it's... I'm going to turn this off here. Do I get a mic level? Good. Okay. So in this scripture from John, Jesus is with his disciples. Okay, and he's letting them know that um, when he 
leaves this earth, when he dies, they don't get this yet, when he's crucified and when he resurrects, that he will still be with him. Um, he's with them as he's speaking to them here because he's alive. But they don't understand yet that he will always be with him um, after he leaves them. So again, to break this down, there's one God who exists in three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and also the Holy Spirit. So each one is the same God. And I think this becomes clear when the Holy Spirit pours out in Acts 2, verses 1 through 3. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So the disciples were waiting in the upper room like Jesus told them to. And then his spirit came and rested on each one of them. Just like we saw in the video, that his spirit came to Joseph, came to the prophets, and started to fill them um, with his power. So the Holy Spirit can enter us when we receive salvation. When we make a decision to make Jesus our Lord and Savior, that's when the Holy Spirit comes into us. After we receive salvation, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is another way that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But in a deeper kind of more intimate way. We're basically immersed, waterlogged with the Holy Spirit. And once we receive, then we can really walk intimately with Him. So the Holy Spirit can be with us in three ways. The Holy Spirit is in us. Okay, in us when we receive salvation. The Holy Spirit is upon us, like he came upon um, the prophets and the disciples. And the Holy Spirit is with us. He's with us so we can do his work. He's with us so we can share his love, his goodness with others. Now, I'm going to show you something visual that can maybe help break it down even more. I mean, we all learn differently. We all um, kind of see things with a different perspective. So I'm going to call my lovely assistant, my wife, and we're going to do a little magic. So if we look at these ingredients here, um, the milk, the milk <coughs> is us, all of us. 
The chocolate syrup is the Holy Spirit. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit fills us. But His Spirit is now, if we see the chocolate, going to the bottom of the glass. Because if we don't stir up the Holy Spirit, it just sits and it just settles. And nothing happens. Nothing at all. But when we stir up the Holy Spirit, now the milk takes on the reflection of the chocolate. When we stir up the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit is now a reflection of God in us. <clears throat> so we have a, a glass of Holy Spirit milk here. Um, is anyone? Ray? Ray? Okay. Ray, come on up. <clears throat> you can sit down, Ray. How many of you understood the illustration? How many of you see it in us? Okay, have you stirred up the Holy Spirit in you? Since the day that you received salvation, did you do anything different to stir up the Holy Spirit? To build a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Or is the Holy Spirit just kind of where it was when you got saved? I mean, you see, the Holy Spirit should be our friend. In Scripture, He is our advocate. He's our guide. He's our teacher. He's the person that we go to when we have <clears throat> challenges that we need to work through. He's the person that we go to that says in Ephesians 25 um, that when we can't pray, we don't know what to pray for, that he intercedes and he prays for us. He's not a force. He's the person, the power, and the presence of God. So what happens when we stir up the Holy Spirit like we stirred up the chocolate in the milk? Well, we have a life encountered. Okay? Um, in every biblical incident of the Holy Spirit filling believers there was a strong encountering and breaking in of God's powerful and intimate presence. So as Pastor Valui is going to be preaching, um, especially on the, the book of Acts, um, we'll see all those lives that were encountered. Second, a life transformed. So when we stir up the Holy Spirit, our life gets transformed. The disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament had radically transformed their lives. And the third, by stirring up the Holy Spirit, we have a life empowered. It was after being filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, disciples had a bold gospel witness. They weren't afraid anymore. <clears throat> they had courage to go share the gospel. And back in the early church, the church started to spread because these disciples, these witnesses were filled 
with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the presence and the power of God. I just want to share a few stories how the Holy Spirit has worked through my life and not worked through my life because I didn't call on the Spirit. So the first is was at Bethlehem um, this last um, December. Um, I was on the kind of the prayer team, the team that was going to meet people after the Bethlehem performance. And sometimes people don't really know what our team does, but we're constantly seeking the Holy Spirit, praying to the Holy Spirit that we would have uh, opportunity to talk and meet with people to share the gospel, to be able to have some insight and wisdom with people that are ready, maybe to receive Jesus, or they just need some prayer because they're going through a challenging time during the Christmas holiday. And so there was a group of children, and Karen Fong and I were next to each other, and we approached this group of children. And I noticed this young boy and his father, and I felt that I needed to separate him from the pack because the other group of children were a little bit younger and they were just a little playful. And so Karen and I moved over with this um, boy and his father. And I was praying to myself silently, and then I started to ask him some questions. Um, One thing led to the other, and the Holy Spirit really revealed that this young boy was really mature already um, at 10 years old, that he wanted to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And with his father next to his side and making sure this was what his will was, that he was willing, that it wasn't anything emotional or anything um, manipulating, uh, he received Jesus that night at Bethlehem. And that was not because of me praying. That wasn't because of Karen with me praying. Um, That was because the Holy Spirit touched this boy's heart, had the encouragement of his father, who was a Christian. Um, And it was really a beautiful moment um, just to tap in and feel the presence of God moving in that situation. Yeah, good story. I mean, it was was really... I ended up talking to them for like 45 minutes after. It was just really, for me, very special because I felt God's peace. I felt His presence. Um, This was my uh, basketball team that I coached at Notre Dame High School um, this last season. And the the school that I coached with before, they were making all these whole coaching transitions. So I wasn't um, coaching at that school anymore. And so this was going in my sixth year of um, head coaching basketball. And I really wanted to coach, but I was in transition with two new jobs, new season. And uh, my wife and my daughter and I, we always pray to God. We pray to the Holy Spirit um, to get confirmation before anything we do. And this time I didn't really seek them that much um, because I just wanted to coach. And so I applied for this job. I got the coaching job. I was coaching freshman girls, 14-year-old girls. Um, they are all like-minded, um, coming from eighth grade into ninth grade. 
And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. I'm just going to take the experience I've had. I'll pray. Um, but early into the practices, I found a lot of um, turmoil, dissension, girls not liking each other, um, just issues outside of basketball. And on one of the sheets that I have in fill out goals, one girl said, oh, my goal is to win one game. And I thought, okay, no problem. Um, we've gone to the playoffs every year with the other teams. We didn't win one game. Okay, I've never told anyone. So, Shim and Ray, don't, don't think I'm a bad coach. We lost every game. We lost every game. And I thought, like, wow, what's going on here? Um, but the cool thing is, um, because God is a good God, and my heart was really to see these girls um, transform in their faith, even though they weren't all Christian, to um, be able to share um, just my story with them. We started to build and become a family. Through all that adversity, the girls not liking each other, um, through some altercations that I had to resolve, a lot of problem-solving, um, God was still at work. Even though I didn't call on the Holy Spirit at first, he, I mean, he showed me some lessons. Um, but by the end, he saved me, basically. He saved me. He brought this team together. Um, we became a family at the end. But at, during the season, it was really challenging. And so just this example just shows that um, I didn't call on the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask for guidance. I didn't ask for wisdom. I didn't ask. And then I was put in the situation because of my own, my own desires, my own interests. And through that, then I had to dig deep down and be praying to the Holy Spirit. Okay, how do I resolve this? How do I handle this situation? And he came through. He came through in a season that we started to find success, not in wins, not in records, but in relationships. And being able to discuss mental health issues with some of the players, okay? With issues that were physical, emotional, a lot of things going on. But by the end, we understood everybody, each other. Um, some of you knew that last year I was going through a transition, <clears throat> new job teaching at San Jose State University, um, new job here accepting the youth pastor role. Um, and that required a lot of the Holy Spirit um, praying. If we can get me the next slide here. Um, we're stuck here on the iPad. Thank you. So, at San Jose State, uh, you know, if I've noticed that, I don't know if you guys noticed, if you start chasing things, if you start wanting things really bad, and you start forcing decisions um, you end up, like me, I end up um, challenged more, no sleep, not a lot of peace, um, having a difficult time. But when I let God move ahead of me, and I'm patient, and I'm in prayer, and I'm seeking wise counsel, things always work out. I think what happens is my answered prayer becomes God's prayer. Versus my prayer and my interests, if they don't line up with God... Then, then I find myself um, in a difficult situation. So at San Jose State, I've been there one year now. 
um, it was a total fit. A total fit, teaching students that are working students, students of color and diversity, um, students that are paying for their own education, students wanting to learn, and so in collegiality with the university, with colleagues. And so that has been confirmation that the Holy Spirit, that we heard correctly as a family a year ago, um, how God wanted me to be there to be able to um, impact this campus and my students. The same thing with the youth ministry. Um, Ten months ago, through four months of prayer prior, wasn't sure. A lot of adversity. Um, but my heart is the same. I still love the youth. I feel at peace. I feel refreshed when I go and meet with the youth on Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, we see some growth, spiritual growth. We see some new faces. Uh, we, we see God at work, the Holy Spirit at work, guiding and teaching and, and, um, and working with our youth. And so and that's another evidence sign that I see, not just God the Father, and not just Jesus because we've had salvations, but the Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of God at work. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, 10, I think sums up a lot of what we've been talking about this morning. Um, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. By His Spirit. So sometimes when we're trying to make sense of the Holy Spirit, we just have to look inside. But the Holy Spirit is already in us. Those of us that receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are a child of God. We just got to shake it up, stir it up, okay, inside us. He's there, okay? You want some counseling, guidance? Ask, okay? You want direction in your life? Go to the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is there to help you empower and transform your life. So, our response this morning to um, this sermon is, can we develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? Let's say over the next three months. Because it's something that you can't just pray one time or kind of turn on a switch and the Holy Spirit, you're going to know the Holy Spirit. Some of you maybe have experienced the Holy Spirit, or the presence of God, or the breath of God, or the divine breath of God, or the wind of God. Some of you have experienced it. Um, For everybody, it's slightly different. But I think in order to develop an intimate relationship, like any relationship, you need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. As God, not just some being 
force out there, mysterious and not tangible. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a human, but he's a person. Scripture says he has feelings. He has a mind. He cares. And so for, for us, we have to take the time now. We've been told a lot to develop our relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. But we need to develop our relationship also with the Holy Spirit. Just to recap, when Jesus told his disciples in the upper room before he died, stay here, I got a gift for you. The Holy Spirit is going to come, fill you, and you're going to do greater works than me. That wasn't through their own flesh, the disciples. It's not through our flesh. It's not through our agenda. It's through the power, the presence, the love of God. The things we do are through those gifts that he's given us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives spiritual gifts to each one of us. That he decides and he chooses what spiritual gifts we have. And so, when we become kind of baptized in the Holy Spirit, as John told Jesus, or John told um, everybody, that I'm going to baptize with water, but there's one that's going to come greater than me that's going to baptize by the Spirit. That just means immerse yourself with God. Immerse yourself with Him through prayer, through quiet time, through Scripture, through fellowship. Just consume Him, love Him, believe in Him, and you experience really the fullness of God. So I'm going to call the worship team up. How many of you understand this? How many of you are, have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. How many of you understood? I'm just curious. I ask my students this all the time. How many of you understand 100% of the message? Raise your hand. You understood everything I said. 90%. 80%. Okay, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to go underneath there. But <clears throat> it looks like, okay, pretty much... Most of it. So, as the worship team's about to prepare, you have an opportunity to respond in your own prayers. Okay? As they sing um, and bring the Holy Spirit in, even in a more powerful way within you, you have time to start a conversation. But I'm going to just pray really quickly to close this out. So if you close your eyes. I just pray right now to to you, Father God. You are a God of unconditional love. That you love each one of us so much. And I just pray that if there's anyone that doesn't hasn't experienced your love, that maybe doesn't have a good fatherly figure. That's okay. Because you are our Father. I pray you would just bring them encouragement now. Those that are needing fatherly love. 
and to you, Jesus. God, who's our Savior. You died on the cross for us. The ultimate sacrifice of humanity. The act of love. I just pray if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that needs saving, that can't live the way they're living. Maybe you pray something like this on your own during our response. Maybe you just pray, Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't live the way I'm living anymore. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. And that you rose on the third day. And that you have given me eternal life. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart into my soul, into my body as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to pray that prayer. And to you, God, the Holy Spirit, I pray right now that your presence flood this place. That you fill us and consume us with your love and your goodness. That you give us a desire to want to know you more intimately. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom and your words this morning. In Jesus' name.